If I'm sincere today, what does it matter if I regret it tomorrow? Jose Saramago. Bending Not Breaking, Season 3, Episode 11, The Day of the Black Sun, Part 2, The Eclipse. And welcome back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. That was so See, I tried to come wonderful really, and tame. Like, and really just, like, w- like, you know, I felt really warm as you said that. It just it didn't feel like me. It felt like... Welcome back to another oh, episode of Benny Not Breaking. I'm Sunshine Mayfield. I'm Ben Pruitt. And I feel so much better now. And we've got our producer... <laughs> Max, how'd you feel about that peak mic? On the microphone and twisting the dials. Twisting the dials. Yeah, but how'd you feel Max about... Max Gongaware. The, the peak. How'd you feel about it? I mean, ultimately... I can only control what I can control. And I, Sunshine understands that when he starts yelling... I'm not going to be able to fix his peak, his the clipping that happens. See, what happens is when you speak He'll too fix loud. It in post. I don't regret anything that I just did. The, the so ampli- let's talk a little bit more about this episode. The amplitude of the sound waves gets taller, and it gets to a point where it does this thing called clipping, which is where you hear it sounds kind of distorted. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I hear I, that when I listen to Sunshine. Yeah, so I can't do anything about it. So. Though Bending Not Breaking's sound quality has improved overall, when you, the listener, notice that it sounds maybe a little bit lesser quality for a moment, just understand it's not the producer's fault. <laughs> and after that diatribe... No ragrats. Indeed. No ragrats. Which makes sense, because guess what our lens is for today? Ragrats? Regret. Tommy Pickles? Regret. That's Rugrats. What were you saying? Ragrats. 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 It's it's regret spelled wrong. I don't understand the difference. <laughs> okay, so regret. Anyways, so what? Rugrats is a regrettable Nickelodeon series, and here's why. No, you don't like it. I loved Rugrats. I haven't watched it in a while. I was like seven when I watched it, but I loved it then. It was good. What is the doll's name? If Angelica. Cynthia. I know. Okay. Anyway, you just want to test my trivia knowledge, and I'm right there with it. Great. I'm on it. Cool. 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 Let's cool, talk. Cool. So we got an episode, Day of the Black Sun, Part Two, which part two. on Netflix would still be the episode. Eclipse. It'd be episode ten. They just they merged 11. episodes. Yes. They, on Netflix. No, on Netflix, it's, it's episode ten. Yeah. 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 Okay, the back cool. half. Cool. 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 Because they merge it, which the DVD set does too. Yeah. 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 But when you look it up on on the IMDb. Separate. Or on the Avatar wiki. Yeah, separate. Different things. Indeed. Different episodes. They so are different. It's too long. Our show is already like an hour when we talk about a 23-minute episode. Talking about a full episode. It's like two hours. It'll be like two hours. It'll be like double the amount of time because wow. that's how math works. Yeah. That's, anyway, yes. So let's just jump on in. What does regret mean to you? It just It's when you feel sad or disappointed over something that has happened or been done or especially a loss or, or missed opportunity. Interesting. That's what the interwebs says regret is. That's not what I asked. I asked, what do you think about regret? I learn everything from the internet. (laughs) Hey, cool, cool. That's what the internet's there for. Yeah. It's never led me astray before. That's why we're on the information age. Information age. Cool. So, yeah, I mean, regret. So, tell me about a time. Have you ever, like, what's something you've regretted? Yeah, I regret stuff. 
and one of those <laughs> things, <laughs> one of those things, um, I think there's been moments. There's been there's been definite moments in my own leadership, uh, moments where I've been giving feedback or receiving feedback where I've not behaved in a way that or, or spoken a tone of voice that I thought was the way that I wanted to present myself. And I think I regret moments like that most often uh, when I try to convey a message and I'm not exactly happy with the way that I communicated that message. So I regret this past weekend. Crazy I, weekend for you? No, I was so uh, – the story I'm telling myself is that I was so lazy and I didn't get like I didn't go outside. I didn't exercise. I ate ice cream and I ate a bunch of what I it's called it's called crack. Uh, but here I'm gonna explain. Please. <laughs> it, it's a it's a if you look it up crack what it is it's saltine crackers with caramel covered in chocolate and then nuts and then sprinkled with a little bit of thought. And so it has it's and called, love. It's called. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And it's called crack because it cracks when you – it's very cracky. But it's also a very addictive. And so moral of the story is I made some, and then I ate a lot of it. And I just feel like grossness, and I didn't go outside very much. It was bad. So I regret that. But, Ben, you're not supposed to regret anything because every moment leads you to where you are now. Yeah, no regrets. Which, that probably came off a little bit snarky on my end. I don't that is that is a sentiment that that is said a lot. It right? is. Yeah. Which I understand the sentiment. I understand this idea of I really am proud of who I am now. I'm really proud of where I'm at. All of my past mistakes led me to this point. And so I don't have any regrets. I get it. I don't necessarily think that's how it works in practice. And I think no. we get moments of that throughout this. No, no. I th I think that regret is a f is a function of empathy. And what I mean by that is like it's regret is a call to courage and a path to wisdom. And I, because it's learning from our failures, it's learning from the things that we've done wrong, it's learning from the mess ups, it's learning from the things that have gone wrong. And so you have to realize that those were failures or mess ups in the moments. And you have to be willing to see that. And you have to, well, and, and it's the story you tell yourself. It's not, I am bad, it's, I made a mistake. I did something bad. Guilt or regret. And that's going to help me grow from it, yeah. right? And so, like all emotions, like regret has, it can be destructive, it can be constructive, but the wholesale dismissal of regret that is that whole no regrets culture that we see on the internet, and not just on the internet, but a lot of people in general, there's memes about it, there's this guy with a tattoo where it's tattooed wrong. That's a pretty common picture when you look up regret. It's from a movie called We're the Millers. Yeah, but it, it, like, no regrets doesn't mean living with courage. It means living without reflection. Yes. Right? Correct. And I think that's really important. So, like, to anytime I hear someone say, oh, I don't regret anything, to me, that's a red flag. It's a red flag of someone who is not doing the emotional work to, to learn from mistakes and learn from our past failures. And to be fair, I've been that person. So have I. Right? So like, right. And that's not so, in like anything else that we've talked about. That's not a, like, I don't do this anymore. A lot of it is continual work that happens. There's no, I made it. I'm, I understand this concept and I'm perfect at it. That doesn't, that's not how well, emotions work. Yeah. And, and I, and I also, on the other side of that, I'm also not suggesting that we, 
we shouldn't live with the regret. It shouldn't be our constant companion either, right? It, it needs to be, it's important enough to allow ourselves to experience it, to feel it, let it teach us, and then let it go. Well, and I think that's the moment. So like having regrets is important on that reflection process because you have to notice that you have them. Yes, you, exactly. You don't, if you don't acknowledge that they're there, if you don't acknowledge those feelings, then you can't fix it. You can't acknowledge that there's something that needs to be fixed. Yeah. Or there's something that you could have done differently. And so this idea of, I don't have any regrets, what happens, happens. No, no. Let's look at that. Let's feel that. Because if you're also doing that, you're suppressing. If you're starting to feel regret and you're like, I'm not going to feel regret. That's not how emotions work. That's not how your body works. Yeah. You need to be able to feel those things. Absolutely. And then learn from them. And we well, get moments of that in uh, the show. In the show. Right? And I think that that's important. Yeah. Um, because we're going to see, we're going to receive regret as this happens. So it is episode 10. 11. 11. We're on 11 now. That's right. All right. Episode 11. 11. See, this is the Netflix thing. Yep. Threw it me off. Ruining everything. The worst. But I love them for having Avatar Which on means it. it is your time to do the 30 second recap. No, 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 no. I'm pretty sure it's your turn. Nope. Even Max episodes... Judge are mine odd episodes are yours max no response no response to that question to that and part. away we go on your mark get set go uh the battle's still going on ang is like oh my god no fire lord then he comes back and they're like oh my god Aang, why are you here oh my god is the fire lord like you know gone already and he's like no 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 i couldn't find seconds. him and then he's like oh my god well we can still find him it's okay we can go they go with Toph. they go secret tunnels they find azula oh my god azula and then azula distracts them and eventually what we see is zuko Ten. is confronting dad and he's like this really heartfelt beautiful message to dad and he leaves and then you know they don't Three, ever find it. and then the two, water tribe gets captured one. and all the open Stop. Yeah, that's pretty much it. A lot of fighting in this, but still a lot to dissect. Yeah, there's just some moments. There's there's definitely some moments. <laughs> there are some moments. Just the entire moment that Zuko's talking to. She's to so Pops. beautiful. <laughs> uh, there's a we got a lot to dissect. So um, let's let's talk about it. What what's a moment for you where regret reared its head? You know, I'm curious we never really see it but i'm almost certain it exists the regret of going into this battle in general and the regret doesn't seem to land until the end when they realize that they're going to get captured and it's one of those things where uh rather than blaming anyone rather than um getting frustrated or angry because of that regret that what that regret fuels is action that is what is the best thing we can do with the information we have and the capacity that we have at the time and i think that's a beautiful response to regret when that's my that's my opening quote right that was exactly what my opening quote is if i'm sincere in it today if i'm giving thought to it today and i think it's the best move today what does it matter if i regret it tomorrow i'm doing the best with what i have right now and if it's not the best thing that I could have done, I'm going to learn from that tomorrow. Yeah, and I just think that, like, it's interesting because it's it's Hakoda and all of the elders, I should say, like the oldest people in the, the top of the hierarchy say that we need to get the Avatar and the children, the youngest people, out. It's not let's get the highest of the hierarchy out. Right, which I think is a typical response in situations like this. We need to get all of the important people out. But instead, the focus is on the children. It's on the people who are the youngest and the youngest fighters. Speaking of which, is it 
Like, there is no, no one bats an eye at the fact that there are this many teenagers in this battle. No one's like, you shouldn't be here. I wonder if that's also cult. I th- that's exactly normal, what it is. I think right? it's a part of the normative culture to have children, children, fighting this war. And I think that's worth noting. Yeah. The, it, does it also speak to the fact that it's so important that these children feel like they they need to do that? Yes. Well, and I think that's like we see it today. And uh, when what happened? The oh my god, I'm blanking. Uh, the shooting in Florida at the high school where Lakeland. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I could not remember, but um, essentially, we saw a Parkland. mass. Parkland. Forgive us. Uh, but we see a mass movement emerge from teens because of this. And I think that is something that we shouldn't, like, we shouldn't expect teens to have to do that. And yet they did, right? But for, for me, the response is, man, I wish teens didn't have to do that. And I think the response from people in this show to, to teens being in this battle is it's normal. Yes. Does that also speak to the amount that these civilizations have been wiped out sure that is, it speaks is to a lot of things it's a very complex thing right like I, I get it the mistreatment over a hundred years has led to, to the point to where these are the fighters well, that and i think that's what arms. i what i love about this moment is that again it's it's valuing the youngest lives rather than the top of the of the hierarchy at the top of the pyramid if you will and I just thought that was a really beautiful response to the regret of, of their loss. One of the things I also want to pull out of what you're saying is that there's this – if we broaden the definition of regret, not past its its point, but to, to what we don't always think of it as, is you can do something and you can do everything the way you would still do it time after time. Or you can look back on it and think this, we made all the right decisions with what we knew. And you can still regret the outcome. Yeah. Right. Like that's not a 100%. personal. That's and I think that goes back to kind of like saying we don't have regrets. Like no, there are things that you can say. I don't. I wouldn't have changed my behavior on any of these things. I would have made the same choices looking back on it, and I still regret that it ended that way. Yeah. Much like I regret not remembering the name Parkland. Yeah. Right. Like I regret that. And that's like that's something that that's a real human deficiency, it's, right? It's like not, forgetting it's things. Shame versus guilt or regret. Exactly. Right. right? It's just, and it's tough because there's there's so many other moments in this episode. But I think one of the things that I, that struck me about this episode as I was watching it was that regret got us to this episode. Regret is what brings us here. Regret was the a part of the driving force that got us to this moment, right? It's the regret for the loss of. Uh, the Southern Water Tribe and being picked apart over the course of years, the regret at the loss of air nomads and the mass genocide. It's the regret of the Fire Nation taking over all of these things. Uh, like The regret of all of these things that have happened over time have led us to this point and have driven us to want to fight the Fire Nation, right? And if we look at it from the opposite side, the regret of Zuko's entire experience post- uh, Agni Kai is what got him to this, right? And it's even before Agni Kai, like the whole regretting of his childhood and how it happened 
and his re- the regret of how he worked with Iroh. The re- like all of those things drove Zuko to this point where he was able to confidently confront Ozai. And I think that's really important. Let's talk about that moment, shall we? Let's talk about that. Bring it up. What you got? How is Ozai's behavior and unwillingness to shift and change um, connected to a lack of regret for his actions in the past? I love this question. Right? That's a great question. His inability to, to look back and have any regret on any of his behaviors leads him to be immovable and ultimately leads him to get hit by lightning. But well, I, like, well, or at I, least like I close think Zuko to, intentionally like, misses. In right. This moment. It kind of hits him and blows him back. Yeah. But this inability to see his son or regret or feel any, any type of regret for his actions leads to his son leaving, which ultimately leads to his own downfall. You know, uh, I'm when you said that, it really drew a parallel for me between him and Voldemort in the Harry Potter verse, right? Um, the, one of the things that happens in the Harry spoiler alert for Harry Potter fans, but like hor- Horcruxes are a thing, and what when you kill someone, you create a Horcrux, and uh, what happened is Voldemort separated his soul into seven, and the only way to cure and re- re- like heal yourself from splitting is to experience true remorse and we know that that never happens but it's one of those things where i i feel like the amount of remorse it would um require of someone to realize the harm you have done by like cold-blooded murder right is so immense that it would shatter you which is why most of the time it doesn't happen. And so for Ozai, I think about the amount of remorse it would require to consider what it would be like that under his action, this like horrific experience for the entire world has been happening. The amount of regret and remorse it would require for him to actually feel, <laughs> to actually re- recompense and actually redeem oneself is... It's, it's, I think it would break him. And then to avoid that feeling. Exactly. To avoid that feeling, you double down on Ex- all the yes. humanizing language. You double down that you were correct. You make it so that it is impossible for you to be wrong. Like, because if admitting you were wrong, admitting that you could have done something differently is going to bring pain. Immense, like unreasonable amount of pain. Instead of navigating that hurt and that pain, we double down to not feel it. Exactly. Right? And, we, and we see this here. I don't want to accept that my behavior hurt Zuko. I don't want to accept that I might have been a bad father and made bad decisions. I'm instead going to double down and say, no, I was teaching you things. If you didn't learn the lesson, it's your fault. Exactly. You're the traitor. Yes, you're the one who doesn't deserve to be here, and I get to beat you physically to prove that because now I'm justified in doing that. Exactly. And that all stems from a place of I am not wanting to feel that pain and that hurt and yes. admit that I was wrong in that moment. And it leads to harsher versions of what he was already doing. So what I'm hearing from you right now is that not feeling regret leads to doubling down and exacerbating the initial problem based off of this scene absolutely well and based off a lot of analogies like there's there's voldemort was not the only analogy right i think that there are 
uh, lots of things that our fans could send a voicemail about. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, uh, to the RCA <laughs> gmail.com. Uh, but they could send a voicemail about to, to highlight a comparison to another story, to another thing, where when we don't feel regret, what happens is we exacerbate the problem. You come to that crossroad, and you have the decision, can I feel this pain? Can I feel this hurt? And admit that I was made a mistake? Or do I double down on the pain and I'm going to cause someone else? Am yeah. I going to redirect that lightning to somebody else? Yeah, absolutely. Instead of feeling it myself. Oof. Right? Oof. Yeah. And so I think that's that's what we see in that moment. So that's a moment that pops up for me in here. Well, I, and I think we need to talk more about that moment just Maybe not, I don't know how necessarily it's all tied to regret, other than that's what, again, drove Zuko to this point. But, like, his speech is so important. And mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's so poignant, it's so topical, and it's written for, what, in 2008? Would have been 2007, yeah. 7, 8. And I think that the fact that this came out in 2007 is really telling that, like, everything that Zuko is saying is so relevant to right now. And just like if you change Fire Nation to the United States of America, uh, I think it really drives a message that's somewhat terrifying. Well, I think it's one of those things because you can look at it and say we typically don't talk about authorial intent, right? Yeah. But when you look at it, it was based off of cultures. And the cultures, we've seen it, right? The, the, the nomads being Tibetan monks. um, the water tribe being uh, Inuit. Inuit people. Um, and so we know that they're based off of cultures, but then also realizing that it was written for a specific audience at the time, at a specific time in history, yep. allows you to kind of parallel this message that Zuko is saying of, I believed wholeheartedly in everything that was taught to me, and I'm starting to realize that maybe this ideal that was pushed, that we are going we to spread our our greatness through conquering well, it, um, you know it, it, it's justified is one that it does it when yeah. you look back at our history you sit there and go yeah that's not necessarily the best thing that's that we've done well, and that definitely is a thing that we do and it really strikes me that this is what you're talking about is really similar to the first five minutes of the first episode of the newsroom um it's one of max's favorite shows it's a good show but uh the the main character um just goes on a on a rant about how Will McAvoy. Yes, goes on a rant played by Jeff Daniels about how Who writes it. Aaron Sorkin. Okay. <sighs> Where did it first air? What uh, what channel? What channel? Yeah, it was like HBO. HBO. Okay, thank Home you. box office. Okay, great. How many seasons did it run? Oh my god! I mean, they it's would really say three. But yeah, the, like two and a half. Yeah, it's good. Let's just keep talking about the newsroom. It's fine. It's fine. What it's were fine. you What were you saying about it? <laughs> First five minutes, really important, talking about how America is, uh, everyone says- Not the greatest country anymore. The United States is the greatest country, and he goes on a rant about how it's not. And it's interesting because we keep on hearing that, and it it still remains part of the uh, uh, cultural propaganda of the United States. And yet, if you pay attention, that may not be true. Well, and let's talk about that through the lens of regret. And it goes back to what we were already saying. You have to be willing to see it so you can change the behavior. Yes. You that's have such to, a good point. You have to be able to see, I messed up. I did something wrong. So you can change it for the future. If you're not willing to admit it or see it, then it's not going to change. Absolutely. 
right? And so we have to. We have to. Yeah. And, and so we see that with Zuko, who finally says, I need to change my behavior, filled with regret. I need to change my behavior, and I'm going to start today. Mm-hmm. Three and a half seasons in, and it's still not too late. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's so important. That's so important. We're almost at the end of the show, and it's still not too late for Zuko to decide I'm leaving the Fire Nation to go pursue how to make balance in the world, right? Like, and so I, we get I cannot moment. wait for next episode, too. There's so much to cover it's in next so episode. Good. So, and so I think that that's an important, that's an important thing to highlight. Um, any more with Zuko and Ozai, or do we want to jump on to some other points uh, as we try I, to cover everything? I'm fine to move on. I feel like we have talked. All right, my next question. Okay. Does regret often spiral into more regret if it is not checked? My gut reaction is yes, but what are you referencing? I am referencing the moment that Sokka feels regret for not being able to take care of Suki. And yes. thus acts like he knows that she's baiting him, knows it. Yep. But because he still feels that regret, but it's not regret, it's more shame. It overwhelms the logic. It overwhelms the logic, and thus he ends up making more decisions that he regrets. Well, because and- he goes, I let myself get baited, and now I regret the decision to let myself get baited. So I think it turns into that little shame spiral. So I think what you said is really important. Like I, I wonder if the regret begetting more regret or is regret and not acting on it a source of shame. Like turn into because shame Because I think unchecked. when shame unchecked, that is when we give way to logic. I think that is when we are our worst selves when we are acting out of shame versus when we are acting out of other things, Right. And I think this is a moment where you put your you put your finger on it, where Sokka is ashamed of how he has been unable to help Suki and save her and keep her safe. And I and I think that 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 shame is important to highlight here. And I think it's partially because of his regret and inability. To so let's help. talk about this. What are the tangible things Sokka could have done in that moment to not step into shame and to have navigated the regret? Oof. Um, oh, wow. So the fir- we've already said it once this episode, and we've said it throughout the series. The difference is I made a decision I don't necessarily love, or I am bad because I made that decision that I, that I don't love. And Sokka, I think we said, feels kind of this. It is I'm a bad person because I let Suki find her way to prison, right? Yeah, well, and so – one so, of my, I, so I got to get her out. I got to find out where she is. Yeah, one of my favorite authors, her name is Brene Brown. You might have heard of her. She uh, does a lot of things on regret. Uh, she has a lot of stuff. Um, but a lot one of shame. Of, does a lot on shame, too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, w- one of the things she talks about is the, the, the universal truths of, of shame. Uh, everyone has it, right? And when you speak, when you talk about it and you put a light on it by speaking it aloud it immediately reduces it. And so like when you ask me like what could have Sokka done is saying, Hey, I like saying aloud, I feel horribly about how Suki has like been in this situation and I feel like, and like name it, say, I feel like um, this is something that is partially my responsibility and then allow people to respond to him and hear the message saying you did the best with what you had. Which is likely what would have happened in that moment if he would have said, like, "Yeah, 
I'm feeling a struggle over this. Yes. That's tough well, to do in well, the heat of the moment. Well, and the, frankly, they were on a time limit. They were, they, were being, they were literally being timed because of the eclipse. Azula was intentionally distracting them, and he, it was hook, line, and sinker, right? And it was one of those things where, like, she's a master when it comes to, like, she knew exactly what to say to— We've known she's good at manipulation, I think she's good at recognizing and pinpointing where other people are feeling shame. Yeah. Which tells me. I was about to say weakness, not a weakness. Like that vulnerable feeling is not a weakness. Correct. But yeah. But, but what that tells being me able is to try to exploit it. Her ability to keenly put her finger on other people's shame tells me that she knows what that's like. Oh, she's got it. Uh-huh. She's got it. Yes. Which comes with perfection, which we've talked about. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So that that's a, that's a moment for me. So that was I my like next that. one too. That's uh, a great one. Sh- sh- uh, regret that is unchecked, that is not talked about, that is not deciphered, can quickly become shame, which is so much tougher to get out of. Yeah. Yeah. You know what we don't see a lot of in this episode is uh, voiced imme- like immediate voiced regret disagree tell me more i think Sokka does like i think, I the think mo- this at the moment end, at the very end he goes like i regret this i let her get the best of me i that's i to me that's the only moment i have another one okay um ang talks about wanting to go fight ozai even after the eclipse mm-hmm. and it gets to my question of how do our perceived expectations of other people on us cause our own regret and shame um because he is willing to likely make a decision he will regret by going and fighting the fire lord yeah but because he lifts it up and says like all these people are counting on me i have to go do this or else i'm gonna regret it and having people kind of say no now's not the time we can we can still do this later um i think was a moment where it, it kind of speaks to what you're talking about of this. It, talk about your feelings and allow people to support you through that. The reason I, I'm pushing back is I, I agree that that's what, what went down, but I don't think that that's how he worded it. I think that the way that it, things were worded were always – like I think when – and the reason I'm driving to is the difference between immediate like feeling of regret – and the way it, like the, it washes over us as soon as we make a decision or as soon as something happens, we feel a regret versus like post reflection when we're reflecting on an event, mm-hmm. then we feel that, Oh God, the mm-hmm. deep regret that happens from reflection. And I, 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 I think I'm arguing that the like immediate regret only happens with Sokka. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think it's Aang is acting out of his internal internalized regrets which is what I, at that moment that you were speaking about, but I don't think it's him saying I I regret this and I'm gonna and I like you, does that make sense? So yeah, yeah so because I think and like just jumping ahead to to the next episode, we see them thinking about this this moment and that's that post regret, but like in this moment, everyone is so positive and so like we're doing the best we can with what we have the best that we can with what we have and the knowledge that we have at the time. And I think that's just, that's really beautiful because so many people jump to shame, blame and anger and all of those things rather than letting, and I feel like everyone, even Sokka, like when, when they go into it, they're feeling, there's still so much hope in this group of people. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's really beautiful. And I think like, so my question, I think with all of that is when we have built up a culturally resilient group is regret doesn't seem to be our immediate response. It seems to be something that happens in reflection. And I think that's an interesting thing to think about. Like, what are your thoughts on that? I think absolutely. When we're talking about resilience, the way to navigate from those those feelings of shame and how to get out of that and how does that turn into this reflection, how do you build that inside of a community? How do you How do you build that culturally? I think you do that through modeling it. I think when you have, as Cricket said back, you know, couple episodes ago this ability to have strong um adult figures that model that behavior for you yes um well, that that's that that's a big part of that and so creating a community where that is celebrated where hope is celebrated where it's passed on from person to person and those are all things we see mm-hmm. we see those things valued from well, hakoda we see those things valued in this group it's beautiful and i think like this is a lesson in how we can all be better about responding to things that are that are hard right and rather than immediately jumping to and we can't control this but i think that our culture and the way we value and teach and grow people can affect the resilience of how we respond to regret yeah that's that's my like thesis statement absolutely Let's create resilient cultures. Yeah. Shall we? Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's try to do can that. Can we do that? <laughs> like, goodness. We fixed it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's the, we're going to heal the world. And the way we're going to do it is we're going to cultivate a uh, resilient culture. Uh, thank you for coming to our TED Talk. <laughs> and <laughs> Every week. Uh, uh, any other big moments before we want to jump into devotion and gratitude? I, I have smaller moments, but I can, those are... We've hit big moments. This is a big moment episode. Well, so, so, <laughs> let's, so let's just highlight some of the big takeaways of things that we've kind of talked about. This idea of if you don't accept that you need to reflect on regret or if you don't acknowledge the things that you regret and work, Red flag. And to work to make changes to them, you are typically going to double down on hurting whatever you're doing next. Yeah. Um, you have to be able to see regret as something that is a necessary emotion for us to feel as an extension of empathy so that we can grow and become better people. You have to be able to let it go. You want to get to a point where that's not a thing that you have to navigate at, but you got to deal with it so yeah. that you can, so that you can drop it and let it go or else you're going to likely hurt the people around you. And, and really maybe even double down on, on the hurt that you're pouring on yourself. Yeah. And I think another takeaway is that when, when regret, uh, cultivates that shame reaction in us the answer is not to uh hide it it's to speak it aloud you gotta voice it voice it you name name it it. you can tame it that's it there it is (sighs) and then setting and then working by modeling that behavior to create a resilient yes absolutely culture yeah i i think if there if i were to tie this episode into a headline it would be zuko is a beacon of excellence in demonstrating what it looks like to teach us how regret can change a person. Boom. Yeah. Oh. Oh, and then the takeaway that like it's not too late. It's not. It's too never too late, late to change the behavior. 
And I, I like that's a bold statement because there's a lot of people. And I think so. Spoiler alert: next episode we're gonna be talking about forgiveness as our lens. Yeah. And I think it's gonna tie a lot into. I think it's going to tie a lot into this episode and our, like, I think we intentionally kind of created that to be a response to this episode. And so when we have this regret, how do we get to a point where we can forgive? And it's interesting that I I think that it's the, the statement that you made is that it's never too late. And I think there's a lot of people that disagree with that. And I really want to explore that next episode as we talk about forgiveness and whether we can forgive people who have done harm. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. But oh. first, well, we got to take a quick little break. Yeah. And then we'll jump on back with our devotion and our gratitude. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. This is Sunshine. And Ben. And we are here to talk more about our Patreon uh, page. As you know, we are trying to record Season one of The Legend of Korra. But so to, excited. But to do that, we need a little bit more support. If you would like to go on to Patreon.com and support us, there are things that you can get. You can get bonus episodes. You can get onto our online community. You can get episodes early. You can even participate in live video chats with Ben and I about the series as we go through it again with different lenses. So if yeah. you'd like to check in on any of that, go to Patreon.com slash BNB underscore pod. And also know that... Everything that gets donated, a portion of those proceeds go to a different nonprofit every single month. And our patrons get to vote on that. And you can do that in the Facebook community when you become a patron. Absolutely. And another thing that's really important that is we want to be just a little transparent about our like how we're using that money is also we're hoping to hire a social media coordinator in the future. And we want someone that can help us uh, ensure that we are connecting with you all as best as we can. And right now we're realizing that on top of our day jobs and school for me, that it can be challenging to engage with social media in the level that we are engaging now. And so we're hoping to, ha- if, if you are interested in volunteering with us, we would love to have you in the hopes that once our Patreon allows us to, uh, we hope to compensate you as well. Yep, and so our goal to be able to record season one of The Legend of Korra is 50 patrons. 50. Is to get to 50 patrons. That's so easy. We can we get can, there. We can get there uh, so that we can record that. But it's not so easy enough for you to ignore this. We kind of need you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> if, if donating is not something you're able to do, just liking, uh, following, sharing, rating, reviewing, doing all that fun stuff on wherever you listen to podcasts would be a huge help. And then just sharing it with the friends that you love. Absolutely. All right. Uh, thank you all so much for taking this little break with us. Now back to the show. Time for our devotion. See, isn't it fun when you bring things in with the song? Yeah, but notice I didn't peek the mic. That's the difference. I like to make an entrance, even audibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and scare people. So w- welcome back to our devotion time where we start thinking about uh, just changing our conversation to a little bit more reverent uh, treatment of Avatar. Not that our prior discussion wasn't, but uh, just really being intentional about our our practice around how we watch the show. And so one of the things in addition to doing a lens is sometimes we do a practice 
uh, on helping us see the show in potentially a different light. And so this week, we are returning to our uh, Wonder Square. The Wonder, Wonder Square. What is the secret of your power? Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a great um, Jack Black. I love that. Who? Huh? So, Denacious T. Ah, well, Spoonerism there. Nice, nice, nice. But Wonder Square jokes are funnier when I get to explain them. Squonderware. That was good. It sounds like underwear. If you Spoonerize Jack Black's name, it's, you're, you're just saying his name backwards. <laughs> Blackjack, yeah. which is just also a game, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, the Wonder Square is where we pick a random line. God, we're being irreverent. Right yeah, now. yeah. Oops. We're not like, this is what happens when we. Uh, anyway, sorry. Focus time. Yeah, focus bringing time. it all in. Yeah. So I mean, Paul Revere told <laughs> jokes. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Rob Revere. Did y'all ever read Johnny Tremaine? Paul Revere was hilarious. I think it's Johnny Germain. Yep. Reverent. Yeah. Reverent. Any <laughs> so the Wonder Square is where <laughs> we pick a uh, a line from the show and uh, Sunshine has brought a line to us. Did we do Squanderware yet? Yes, I said that already. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. It was good. I said it. <laughs> like anyway. Have we done blackjack yet? <laughs> it's a great game. Got to twenty one. I get it. <laughs> okay. You seen that movie? 21. Uh, yeah, Kevin Spacey's in it, so mm. we don't talk about it, no. I guess. Nope. All right. All right. Great. Edit that I'm out regretting most. this entire <laughs> segment. Wonder Square. <laughs> uh, the Wonder Square is where we pick a <laughs> random line. Sorry, it's not random this time. Sunshine has brought a line. Uh, and Yeah, but you wrote it down. Yeah, so, so I'm going to read it for us. But uh, And what we're going to do is we're going to think about that line from four different perspectives. Uh, what is What are the things that this makes us think about? Uh, what does this make us wonder? What does this make us feel? And then what are the things, what are the actions? What are the things that this sentence makes us want to do? So again, it's what are the things this makes us think about? Uh, how does this make us feel? Um, what do we want to do because of this line? And then what are the things that we wonder about? What does this, uh, evoke in us and how do we, what is the, uh, X factor that comes from thinking about this line. And so Sunshine picked the line from Toph in the middle of the show where Sokka has just uh, felt a little bit of regret where we talked about this scene earlier. And she says um, to Azula before this, I'll be able to tell if you're lying. And Azula's a really good liar. Azula, we find out, is a really good liar. Uh, but she says, I'll be able to tell if you're lying. And what we're going to do is we're now kind of going to go through these. And so what are the things that this makes us think of? It makes me think of the way intimidation is kind of used. Uh, I, like, I, I first comes to mind for me is scenes in movies are like cops trying to intimidate Ooh. a suspect. Ooh, I like oh, that. I can tell if you're lying. So you better tell me the truth you know what makes me think of survivor philip on survivor he was a common or like a federal agent yeah well-known character from survivor and i say character intentionally but like uh he's a person who's like i'll be able to tell if you're lying i was a federal agent i knew all these things and there's other uh people on survivor who come on and say i'll be able to tell if you're lying typically Um, all people who try to like work in 
Justice Department type yeah. roles. Interesting enough. Yeah. And usually they're not right. Yeah, it's typically used as an intimidation tactic to create a power dynamic. Exactly. Yeah. It's not necessarily meant to the be. The thing is, in this case, Toph is, like, she can tell when people are lying. We learned that she can't tell when Azula's lying. Right. But it's interesting. that Also, it's interesting, like, spoiler alert for Korra people, that she becomes a cop. Yeah. Right? That's an interesting alignment that it, all of those things happen to, to align there. What else does this make us think about? I don't know. I provided that answer. It's your, it's your turn. Oh, you talked about Survivor. Ugh. Uh, so when I think about lying in general, right, I, I think about I'll be able to tell if you're lying. I think about the times when I when I am lying, and sometimes lying is I gen- genuinely believe that it's the right move, and sometimes I genuinely don't. Or you know that it's not. I know you, that it's not. you know that you're, like, being misleading on purpose. For, yeah. Uh, for for, for the sake of comfort sometimes, right? Um, for the sake of winning. Yeah. For the sake of... And I know, and I think that when I'm lying for, for the betterment, I'm more confident in my lie versus when I'm lying for out of discomfort, mm-hmm. I'm usually less confident, um, which is interesting because Azula is very confident. And I wonder if that's playing a role here, if she thinks she's more confident because she believes what she's doing is right. Or she's confident in the ability to tell a lie and not have it, like, jolt her heart rate. I think that that's more likely. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, we've thought about what. what. How does this line make us feel? What are the emotions? What is this? What do you feel in your body when you hear this line? I'll be able to tell if you're lying. I feel like it feels icky to me. Describe you know, that more. Uh, it feels... I, I deeply associate that with trying to intimidate to shift a power dynamic and to create a, a power struggle of I'm the dominant force here and creating that dominance, and that doesn't feel good to me. So when you hear that, do you feel yourself shrinking or do you feel yourself expanding? Because some, like, that might be – like for me, I feel myself shrinking. But for you, you might be in a place where, no, no, you don't get to say that. I'm and I'm gonna puff up. Right? I think it depends on where I am, and I think that depends on who's saying it. Who's saying it? I think yeah. What's the context around that? Because all of that shifts. Uh, we talked about that during the runaway episode, the ability to call people out or to like puff up, um, and what's the di- What's the power dynamic? Am I gonna put myself in harm's way if I puff up in that moment? Yeah. And so does that make me less likely to do it? Interesting. Um, from the outside, like if I'm an outsider, like not wa- I'm watching that from a window, it's yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, if I'm if someone's saying that to me, if I feel confident, if I feel like I'm in a safe spot, it's like okay, sure, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. Like, mm, exactly. Maybe yeah. not, but but I understand that that's that feeling that I feel like I can do that comes from a place of privilege. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'll be able to tell if you're lying. Now, like, it's, I, putting myself in a place where I'd be saying that is, I, like, I think about it, and, like, what immediately jumped in my head was if I were talking to, like, a child. And I don't think I'd ever say that, like, actually and in I don't, that moment. But I'd kind of, like, I figured I, out I've I've done truth, it before, you know what I mean? right? I've done it before, but, like, I would like to think that where I am now, I wouldn't rely on on that as a tactic. But... I just, that did come to my mind. So, 
So, okay, so we've done what? We've done feel. What does this make us want to do? What are, like, what are the things that, what are the action steps that come up from hearing this line? Again, the line is, I'll be able to tell if you're lying. I am unsure. So for me, it's the times when I am in leadership positions, I feel like it is incumbent upon me to train my staff, to train my people to not rely on this as a tactic and to help people understand why this is an intent, like explain how this is an intimidating thing, explain the history behind who has said this in the past culturally and why it is not an acceptable means of interrogation. Well, it'd be, and because intimidation is, is cr by intimidating, you are hoping to create fear and anxiety. And ultimately, we are our best selves when we are not in a place of fear and anxiety. Absolutely. When we're working out of a place of love, right? Correct. And so I think that's where it's coming from, right? That's the difference. Yeah, that's my do. Do you have, a, do you have an action or something you'd like yeah, to that do? That was really good. I'm going to take that. Um, that's totally fine. You can do that. <laughs> I think it's for me is, is it, I feel called to evaluate myself on in moments of conversation. And am I doing that in any way, shape or form? Am I using body language or body placement to create a power dynamic? Yeah. Um, which is something I don't want to do. I hope that when I'm talking to people that it is on a, on an even level. And yeah. so am I doing things that is shifting that, right? Interesting. Yeah. Okay, and that brings us to our, our our final piece of the wonder square, which is wonder, right? And so you can finish it. You can do this by finishing the sentence, I wonder what it would be like if, or I wonder if, and just finish that sentence. And uh, what does this line evoke in you when that sentence is your prompt? So again, one more time, it's, I'll be able to tell if you're lying. I wonder if that is used for intimidation. I wonder if the intimidation that I've kind of thought about and kind of harped on in this segment is used because it's the only tool that individuals think that they have to use. Oh, that's really interesting. And how... Because if it's the only tool you have... Then you're going to use it. Yeah. So how do we make sure that people have better tools than that? Oh, that's a great... I love that. No, I love that a lot. Wow. I like this. I like this activity. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I wonder, I wonder what it would be like if we had staff that had those tools, right? I wonder what it would be like if we had people in our corner and people on our side and people who are in our trust zone that had tools that made it so they didn't have to use this tactic. And I wonder what the world would look like without it. Cause I, you know, honestly, it's, it's difficult for me to picture right now. And I, it's interesting. Yeah. How do we how do we make more changes coming from less of a place of intimidation and more of a place of love and compassion? Yeah. All wow, right. who knew that this one line was going to create this much conversation, right? I love like, Toph. Well, and it's not just Toph. It's like how cool is like when you treat a random line like this, you can really dive deep and get a lot from it. Absolutely. So, Cool. Thank you for listening, friends, to our us indulge on this practice. Uh, and now we're going to move on to our 
our devotion time, which is where we combine our element and our lens together and create a little bit of a goal, a little bit of a goal for us to accomplish uh, this week. So the, our element this week is what? Water. Water. Agua. As of like water bending. Indeed. So like the water tribe. All the other things that are water. The stuff that you drink to live. Mm-hmm. Ice. For me, I think my devotion this week, um, my goal is I really just this idea of being able to experience and name that regret and letting myself feel that. And I almost envision that as white water rafting. Oh, that ride can be so rough and can be so hard. But then when you're able to kind of make it through that point, you get to to quieter waters. And that's kind of what the imagery that kind of peaked in my head during that time is it's you're going through rapids. It's difficult. It's it's not an easy task to do. And then you make it through and the waters are calm and you're able to kind of relax and in, in, in understanding that that just happened. But yeah. it brings you to a better place. Yeah, I love that. Cool. What about I, you? I, I think for me, when I think about regret and water is, uh, <laughs> bear with me here, uh, alcohol. So a, a lot of times what happens when w- like we become thirsty and uh, you can metaphor that into being like, sometimes we feel like we need nourishment of some kind and we take an action and we take the action that we think will help us. And sometimes we seek to numb with alcohol. And one of the things that we do is we, we will drink and we think we are satiating, our bodies like thinks we're satiating that thirst when in actuality we are making ourselves more thirsty because alcohol makes us more thirsty, right? And so uh, instead of drinking water, which is what actually helps us. And I, I think about how regret and holding on to regret is like drinking alcohol, but never drinking water and holding on to it is like continually like draining our body to Mm. where we are so dehydrated and where we're unable to, um, to live right. Mm -hmm. Effectively we start in, in our body starts responding. We start getting headaches. We start getting, we have it like quote hangover experiences. Right. And, I think that's kind of what holding on to regret is like. And no. I, I want to make sure that when I feel that regret, it's yes, I, I drank the alcohol and now I'm going to drink water. Right. And so for, for me, it's thinking about being intentional about what I'm putting into my body and being thoughtful because as i said at the beginning oh that ties really well as i said at the beginning of the episode i was feeling really lazy this past weekend and i a lot of that has to do with what i was putting into my body and i think i can do better by drinking water and drinking water intentionally yeah to be I was not hung over this weekend but like drink more water drink more water is the takeaway drinking water is a good thing Max, you got anything you want to add? Not at this time. All right. Let's jump into some gratitude real fast. Ooh, I love that. Who are you grateful for? Uh, I'm grateful for Tyro. Ooh, remind us who Tyro is because I don't think everybody will remember. That's father. Okay, okay, good, good, good. It, to be able to have been imprisoned the way he was. Yeah. And knowing that it's going to be hard. He says it. I guess this is going to be hard. 
but he knew that he could do it. He shouldn't have to, but he knew that he could, and he was willing to kind of give that hope to the kids as they were on their way. But his, his ability to kind of be like, I can step up and lead. I know how to navigate this. I've done this before um, was something I just really admired, and so I want to lift him up and be I grateful just think for that's, Tyro. that's so beautiful because – I didn't even think about that. I navigated you this know? pain before, and I can help other people do it in a better way. And I think that that's yeah. really lovely. So, yeah. yeah. Gratitude to Tyro. I love that. So, okay. I, I, I think I'm going to be choosing the obvious answer here um, for females that stand out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that's Toph, right? Yeah. Um, love Toph. I, I think that Toph is... I'm grateful for this, and I'm I'm changing what I originally was going to say because based off of our Wonder Square comment, but like that line is that's one of the tools in her tool belt, right? And she is very intimidating, right? She mm-hmm. is the most powerful earthbender. She can now is the first metal bender. She's confident. She is able to defend herself. She is certainly intimidating, and it works for her quite often. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm grateful for her because she's doing the best that she can with what she has. Yeah. And that is all we can do until we are given and taught things that are, that are beyond what we know. Can we know better so we can do better? And yeah. And, and, for, and right now, again, how old is she? We don't know. I don't know. 12. Like she's like Aang's age. Yeah. Right. And so I'm just, I'm really grateful that she was able to do this much mm-hmm. as a 12 year old. And I'm, I'm sad that she was in the situation. I'm sad that she has had to, to be this person and had to earn these tools, but I'm so glad that she has them because I'm glad that she has tools in her toolbox at all. Absolutely. Oh, glad we're able to, I love our gratitude moments. I love those. They might be my favorite part. And I love you all. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. I want to give a shout out to our Patreon supporters of the week. I Angelique love them. P and Tomo D. Thank, Thank you all so much for supporting us. Thank you us. so much. And we got a special guest for us next week. So, you know, come back for that. But until then, I'm Sunshine Mayfield. And this has been Ben Bruett. And Max has been working as our producer. Thank you to Max. This is Bending Not Breaking. Thank you for listening. Bye.